Toasties, I'm Missy, here with my bestie, Johnsy. Hey, y'all. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. How you doing over there? I'm doing. We're in person again. Yep. It's better this way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's so much better this way. I have this mic really close to my face, guys, and I'm really consciously trying to talk quieter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is almost impossible for you. <laughs> Honestly, did not realize exactly how close this mic was to my face until now. I should have checked that before we started. <laughs> I might get super loud, guys. I apologize. And also, I apologize to my husband when he goes and edits this and has to turn my ass down. <laughs> you know, he gives me shit about it every time. Yeah, I hear him. <laughs> What you drinking over there? I am drinking some bourbon aged wine that's called Cremogen. Okay, I have to try it. You're not gonna like it. It's not sweet. It's very dry red. It's my type of wine. It's it's delicious. Why does it not have a smell? I don't know. It's very smooth. Oh, there you go. It was the lid probably blocking the scent. It's, it does have a smell. It smells delicious. It's very tasty. 10 out of 10. I'd buy it again, definitely, for sure. You want to know what this would taste really good with? Hmm. Tacos. <laughs> Tacos taste good with everything. Oh, shit. There we go. go. <laughs> He even said something about that. And we're like, yeah, we will. We'll just make a comment about you. Anyways, um, so story time. Mm-hmm. I was at a Mexican restaurant. And I wanted a sangria. Mm-hmm. And so I ordered the sangria. And dude was still kind of like staring at me. And under where it said sangria, there was like a wine list. Mm-hmm. So um, he's just kind of looking at me. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to pick the kind of wine I want in my sangria. So I was like, uh, Cabernet. <laughs> and he's like oh cabernet okay and i'm i'm thinking he didn't hear me say sangria because he's like i said i said i wanted a sangria mm-hmm. and then he's just kind of staring so then i was like uh cabernet and then he's like okay cabernet gotcha and he got everybody else's drinks he left and came back with a glass of cabernet i don't drink cabernet no you don't that's a very dry, yeah. dry red wine yes <laughs> and i'm like I was like, no. And, and Lloyd's just like, do you want me to tell him, like, this isn't what you wanted? You wanted us angry? I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, I'll drink it. It's fine. I'll drink it. No, I'll choke this back. Because fortunately, when you go to restaurants, they do they do not do friend pours. They do legit pours. Yes, they do. So it's not, it's not like it's, it's not like, a big glass. It was not a big glass. Um, So I'm, I'm drinking it. And I'm just like. This is so dry and gross. It's so bad. <laughs> but I ordered it, so I'm going to drink this. And then I got my my food. And I think actually I got fajitas. And I'm eating the fajitas. And I went to go take a sip of my wine. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's good. It's good now. Did you have steak fajitas? Yes. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yep. That's what that needs. Mm-hmm. That that big old fat fucking steak. Joseph steak. Oh, I love did, me a good rare steak. I I had a rare steak for my birthday. Lord was not oh. happy. Lord was not happy. Why? Because he doesn't like me eating such raw meat. Oh, whatever. Except for one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to put it in there. He's gonna love that part. <laughs> sorry, mom, dad. <laughs> no, I'm not. Anyways. Um, but yeah, I had, I did have a very raw steak for my, for my birthday dinner and he is, I was like cutting into it. I'm like, oh fuck yes, finally he got it. Cause he always cooks it a little more closer to the medium side and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always make a comment how he overcooked my steak and he's like, well, it said that it was at this. No, you did that on purpose. <laughs> you did it on purpose, sir. <laughs> And I'm, so I'm cutting it. And it's just red. And then there's parts that was like, that's not even cooked. And I'm like, oh, this is lovely. Maybe that's what I'll make for my birthday tomorrow. There you a go. Good, a nice raw steak. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm cutting it. And he's like, babe, that's that that steak's not cooked. I'm like, no, it is perfect. You leave it. <laughs> Don't fucking touch it. Don't fucking touch it. And you know what was really great is when it's like that, though, if you have, and it was a big steak, so I was not able to finish it. 
So I had leftovers. And I could actually eat the damn leftovers because you can reheat it and it doesn't cook. It's not overcooked at that point. It was, yeah. It was still perfect. Sorry, guys. That was a ramble. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. No, what are you drinking? I'm <laughs> like my little bar next to me. Yeah, I was like, what she got over there? So I had. That's a hell of a wine stopper, by the way. <laughs> that looks a little suspicious. <laughs> you sure that's for the wine? <laughs> yes, it's made by o- OXO. Okay. Uh, OXO, yeah. Okay. I've had this for like forever. Um, This, like, there's like maybe a third of a glass of barefoot Moscato in here. Okay. And I was like, that's that, what I'm going to need more. Because I don't do restaurant so you, pours. So I do front pours. Brought a bottle with you just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought the leftover mead that I also had in the fridge. It's called Private Flight. I haven't had mead on here in a while from Funktastic. So that's because I don't have much in my fridge at the moment. I really need to get it restocked in here. Where's Chris Bennett? Come on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> He's hoarding it. I got to go over there and get some. But this is called Private Flight, and it's a raspberry mead with toasted coconut, raw coconut, and hazelnuts. I think I tried that one yeah. before. It's really good. It's really good. So that's what I, that's what I got going on. And this okay. is like this is like a, a little bit's left in there. That's a whole, a whole cup, probably mm. a good cup. Honestly, this is a, this this whole thing would fit in a cup. Their bottles really? are so weirdly the, like they look like tall flask. Yeah, but like there's their bottles, I've like poured into a cup thinking like, oh, there's probably like two servings in there. No, I'm like pouring, and I'm like, okay, oh, that's that's a whole bottle in my cup. So I've lately just been like <laughs> drinking them straight from the bottle to save on dishes. Well, there you go. Mom's like, do you do you put it in a paper bag too? <laughs> I was like, maybe. <laughs> Depends on how classy I'm feeling. Uh, yeah. Well, what are we talking about? What you got for me? Today, we are doing another another couple killer. Mm. This is a duo. We're talking about Susan Barnes Carson, also known as Susan Bear Carson, and James Clifford Carson, also known as Michael Bear Carson. And this duo is called the San Francisco Witch Killers. Mmm. Yeah, so we're about to head into our spooky season, so I figured I'd talk about some witch killers. I like it. And it's a really, it's a doozy, guys. Get ready for this. It's it's an ironic story. I also thought it'd be fun to talk about this couple because Miss Susan was born September 14th, 1941. Hey, right in between us. Okay. Yeah, right in between us. She's a Virgo, and she was born as Susan Barnes. She was your typical suburban housewife and a mom of two boys in the 1960s. She lived in Scottsdale, Arizona with her husband, and he made good money. Um, really, really good money, actually. Uh, but that enabled her to just be that stereotypical spoiled housewife. Mm. However, Susan always wanted more. You know, stereotypical housewife. No, I'm just I was supposed to say, <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> so what does Susan do? What any other housewife does, you know, drugs. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> this is not a bat at housewives at all. You guys are kick-ass women. This, it, it's, it's definitely 100% a joke because you know how they just put it out there. And they said she, <laughs> when I was reading, they called her a stereotypical housewife. And I'm just thinking of the, you know, desperate housewives. So Susan started taking LSD, mescaline from peyote. And mm. peyote is actually a plant. Mm-hmm. It's a small spineless cactus which contains psychoactive alkaloids, particularly mescaline or mescaline. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's actually considered a Schedule One controlled substance in the U.S., making it illegal. But there are exceptions to having it, and it's for religious ceremonies conducted by Native American church members. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yep. of, of course, they can't have anything nice, so it's getting taken away. <clears throat> and someone had to go and ruin it by making it a, you know, a hallucinogenic. But you can chew it, soak it in water, or smoke it to get that psychedelic reaction out of it. Yeah, Frankie makes a lot of tea out of it. Who does? Frankie. Yeah. Um, 
She did this while hanging out with her son's high school classmates. She would do these drugs with her son's high school classmates. I don't like where this is going. (laughs) Which she would also regularly seduce and sleep with her son's classmates as well. Exactly. I knew that was coming. Rumor has it that she slept with 150 young men and boys. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah, because uh, she was uh, a grown woman and they're high school students. Now, that's just just to show you, it's not just men. Not just men. No. No. So, um, by the age of 35, she started to have delusions and hallucinations, or as she would like to call them, visions, even when she wasn't using drugs, which to Susan, that was not new to her, since she said when she was a child, she believed she was psychic. I really want you to to hold that you know because this couple is known as witch killers but she believed she was psychic okay yeah so nonetheless the infidelities drug use and psychosis just shattered her marriage and her and her husband divorced and with this susan decided to reinvent herself and change the spelling of her name She's changing the S to a Z in her name. So instead of S-U-S-A-N, it's S-U-Z-A-N. Cause Susan. Susan. <laughs> Gotta be different. It's the, the hippie times. Gotta say it like an alien. Susan. <laughs> you also sound like a motorcycle. Sorry. <laughs> Suzuki. <laughs> Kawasaki. <laughs> she claimed (laughs) she claimed to have visions to find a soulmate and a loyal partner and disciple and this is when she met james carson james was born november 28th 1950 so he's sagittarius here we go so i just want to point that out real quick we got a sagittarius and a virgo that's not a good mixture that is like okay I gotta, I gotta address myself here. When I, when I, when I see the birthdays, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you got a Sagittarius, the serial killer, right off the bat. You're a Sagittarius, yeah. But you paired with a Virgo to be your, your like partner in crime. You should have never, ever been caught. Like, yeah, but she was a spoiled brat, so she's gonna get caught. Oh my gosh, she's gonna be sloppy. <clears throat> oh yeah, wait. So, um. He was born, like I said, November 20th, 1950, as James Clifford Carson. He was younger than Susan, which, of course, as her past shows, she liked making, she liked having younger, yeah. whatever. And that made him the perfect partner. James was originally from Oklahoma. James was known as another nonconformist, middle-class dropout. But he loved books and took an interest in history, religions, and philosophy. And he actually had a degree from the University of Iowa in Chinese. What the fuck? Yeah, I thought that was random. Okay. Uh, which boat? <clears throat> but in Iowa is where he met his first wife. And after graduation, they had a daughter named Jennifer, and then they moved to Arizona. Uh, James's wife was the breadwinner of the family. She was going to work, which for the times was actually That's, very unusual. It's yeah. you know the '60s, and he's this, he's home, and she's working. Yeah, it's very unusual. Very unusual. <clears throat> she was a teacher. James was a stay-at-home dad and a pot dealer. And according to James's daughter, he was a loving and attentive father at this time. And things things just seemed to really work well for their little family. But, like I said, like most of the time, not all good things last. James became began to become antisocial and prone to anger out, angry outbursts. And due to his growing unstable behavior, James became violent and would actually abuse his wife. Um, along with that and his inability or unwillingness to get a job, his wife divorced him in 1977, taking their daughter with her. Good. And shortly after this is when James met Susan. No. Oh, Susan. Susan. 
When Susan and James met, it was an instant attraction. And with Fred and Rose, that's exactly what happened. It was an instant attraction. So it just seemed to be a thing, you know? The first thing she told him, Susan told him, when she met him was that his name was Michael. And he said, no, my name is James. Which she followed with a reply, no, you are Michael, an angel of God. And from that point on, James went by Michael. And Michael wrote to his daughter telling her in a letter that God had given him the new name Michael, which Michael was the name of an archangel that met the devil. Yeah. How the fuck do these kind of people find each other? Anybody else she would have gone up to and be like, no, bitch, you're fucking crazy. My name's not Michael. (laughs) Yeah. But no, he adapts it. Instantly. How do these people... I I, I keep going. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I know. For most people with this connection, it would be a match made in heaven. However, in this case, it was a match made in hell. James was looking for God, and Susan was looking for a disciple, and they got married. And they took a trip. Actually, they got married when they took a trip to Europe. Wait, they got married in Europe? They got married in Europe. At Stonehenge, under the moonlight, in a a very... Well, that sounds like a fucking ritual if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Granted, weddings are pagan rituals that Christians adopted, but we won't go down that path. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, really funny, huh? Mm -hmm. Again, they were called the witch killers. During this time, Susan developed her own religion. From her drug and psychosis-induced visions, her religion was a twisted, radical interpretation of Islam. What the hell? Yeah, none of this about them makes sense. I'm telling you, it's a fucking doozy, man. When they returned to the U.S. is when they started to go by the name, the surname Bear and described themselves as vegetarian Muslim warriors. Okay, Toasty, so don't do peyote. Evidently, it makes you crazy. Yeah, don't follow Frankie's footsteps. Um, how she reacted on peyote is not the same. By this point... Michael's ex-wife had become afraid that he would harm her and try to abduct their child. And she took steps to hide herself and their daughter from him. And she would move numerous times and cut off contact with mutual acquaintances to protect herself and their daughter. Their, Mm. Their religion, however, was far from the tofu and white light that they were claiming. Mm-hmm. They believed insulting a woman was equivalent to assault and deserving of death. They also believed there were witches around them using their mental powers to control others. And they also believed it was their duty to kill all witches. Sure she wasn't like schizophrenic or something? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, now... This kind of shared madness is called a folie a A hoo-hoo? Yeah. A folie a doo Folie a doo Folie a So they're full of doo-doo. Right? Got it. Clinically, it's called shared psychotic disorder. Now, shared, di- shared psychotic disorder is a rare delusional dis- disorder shared by two or occasionally more people with close emotional ties. If more people are included, it would be a folie a trois, folie a quatre, and even a folie a famille, hmm. which is actually the whole family. And there was even a case that involved the dog. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, fuck <laughs> This disorder, this delusional disorder, is on the schizophrenic disorder spectrum. See? Yeah. The delusions are usually induced in the passive partner, in this case, Michael, by the active one, which was Susan. So she literally made him crazy. That's how fucking crazy she was. Mm -hmm. At this point, they only had two people in their religion. They were trying to build a whole cult. I figured as much. Mm Mm-hmm. So they only had two people. So they began looking for recruits in the Height-Ashbury district of San Francisco. 
I don't know if I pronounce height wrong, right? It's H-A-I-G-H-T instead of H-E, but I assumed it's height. In 1980, this area was still a major area area for that counterculture and drug scene. Mm-hmm. And this is where they met Karen Barnes, who was, and Karen Barnes is no relation to Susan. They just happen to have the same last name, although Susan's now Bear. I was about to say, I thought she's Bear now. <clears throat> she is Bear, but her uh, maiden name was Barnes before the first marriage. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> what the track record. <laughs> I know, right? Um, Karen was an aspiring actress, and they, um, at a party in 19 19- um, 1981 in March is when they had met. And most people were repulsed by Susan and Michael's odd and even hostile behavior. However, Karen, a very open-minded spiritual seeker, found them fascinating. So, they all lived together. And there they continued nearly non-stop tripping, drinking, and getting high. But yet again, not all good things last. Susan began to see Karen as a witch. She believed that Karen had an evil psychic power. She thought that she was a psychic um a psychic vampire witch that I- was sucking the life and beauty and yogic powers out of Susan. So she was jealous of her essentially. Um but she believed that she had that psychic powers and had to be taken care of. I kind of felt like this was going to be their first victim. I was like, oh, no, stay away. <laughs> yeah. So Michael and Susan murdered Karen while she was making a snack in the kitchen. Oh, man. They couldn't let her have her snack first? No. They couldn't. Um, they beat her head in with an iron skillet and stabbed her 13 Jesus. times. And then they wrapped her body in a blanket and hid her in the basement. That's some rage killing right there. That's not just protection. Yeah. And here's the thing. I'll get into it later. Actually, <laughs> I'm about to jump ahead on my own thing. Um, so when the police found Karen's bloody body, they also found a scene just like straight out of Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. It, the walls were covered in religious symbols and one word, Susan. The police discovered that both Susan and Michael were living with Karen and put them as likely suspects in the murder. However, they were already long gone by this point. And I could not find how long it took for them to real, you know, to for Karen's body to be discovered. So it was hmm. enough time for them to get away, though. Um, from Karen's, though, they fled north to Grant Pass, Oregon where they stayed in an abandoned cabin in the woods that Susan called Allah's Mountain. But they weren't there long, however, because they ended up getting kicked out by a park ranger, but they stayed there um, until spring of 1982. I have a question. Mm -hmm. This is random. Where the fuck is her two kids? I'll get to that, but, well, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I could not find anything on them. I don't know if her husband... Because he had the money. I mean, so he probably got a damn good lawyer and took the boys and just... and they were, Or she was very, very, very self-centered. Well, they were older, too, so they probably were like, you sleep with my friends. You're fucking disgusting. Yeah, that, too. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Sorry. Yeah. I could not find anything on them. Later, a good Samaritan let them stay in his treehouse. But they're... <laughs> How nice of him. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, was it a child that said he could, is this a grown man that has the treehouse? Or was it like a kid like, hey, go stay in my tree, my treehouse. That's cool. Or is it a bomb ass treehouse? Probably a bomb. Isn't Lloyd made it. Yep. <laughs> um, but their weird combative behavior soon annoyed the owner, resulting in him kicking them out. Susan, however, wasn't going to take that lying down. And instructed Michael, instructed Michael, I thought I'd repeat that, to take revenge on the owner. They robbed his home, taking many things, including a handgun, and then set the house on fire. Why? I don't know. Fortunately, nobody died from that one. 
Susan and Michael head back to California after this, where they got jobs as caretakers of a marijuana plantation in Humboldt County. Oh, for Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I told you, this is a a weird... (laughs) Did you make this up? Are you sure this actually fucking happened? Deadass. What the hell? I told you, this is a weird one. I don't know. I... I'll tell you how that how I came to be the, with with this, with this one. Okay, whatever. Get on with crazy lady. <laughs> Workers on the farm claim that Susan and Michael were anarchists who advocated revolution and predicted that a nuclear apocalypse would soon occur. Oh wow, that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. In May of 1982. Um, a man named Clark Stevens, who was 26, came to work on the plantation, and he, he and the bears butted heads quickly. The They argued, and things got pretty heated, resulting in Clark saying something that offended Susan, which, remember in their religion, that's a big no-no, and for this offense, because she was insulted, she ordered Michael, she ordered Michael, she ordered Michael to kill Clark. So, Michael, being the faithful disciple, shot Clark dead with the stolen gun. Then they poured kerosene over his body and set it on fire. And then they buried it in cover- in a very shallow grave and covered it with chicken fertilizer in the woods so that nobody would find it, thinking that the smell would deter people from finding a rotted corpse. I don't think it works like that. Yeah, two weeks later, Clark was reported missing, leading the Humboldt County Sheriff to discover Clark's burnt remains. Again, Susan and Michael were considered the main suspects. So now it's two. Now, they already had fled by by the time the police were looking for them. Upon searching their abandoned belongings, though, the detectives found a manifesto Susan and Michael had written, which called for the assassination of the of the then president Ronald Reagan. Hey, fucking leave Reagan alone. <laughs> However, the authorities had a hard time tracking Susan and Michael down. So we got two deaths, a house that they burnt down, and now they are open they found documentation that they're looking to assassinate the president (laughs) so now they're really fucking wanted because now the president is being threatened yeah they got the fbi after him now Mm -hmm. in november 1982 michael was picked up by the police in la after an acquaintance saw him hitchhiking however to a police error michael was soon released and banished before humboldt county detectives had a chance to question him However, he did leave behind some valuable evidence, including a mugshot, address information, and the gun that was left in the police car. (laughs) Oh, boy. I know. They're they're funny. In January, Susan and Michael were hitchhiking and were picked up by a man named John Hellyer, who was 30 years old. And this was near Bakersfield. They were headed to Santa Rosa. Susan told Michael as soon as she saw John, she knew he was a witch and that they would have to kill him. And sure enough, they all began to argue as soon as they got into the truck. Now, allegedly, John's leg touched Susan's and this was a death sentence. And they struggled and John was able to pull over and get out of his truck. John did have a gun tucked under his seat mm-hmm. because he was traveling by himself. Yeah. And it was for, you know, his own protection. And John was going through some things at the time and he was actually starting to come back around. Like he kind of lost his family for a little bit and he was coming back around. Um, But they struggled. He got pulled over. Susan and Michael followed him as he got out. And they stabbed him and shot him right on the side of the highway. Mm. This was not a secluded highway, though. And they were in full view of passing drivers. And a UPS truck, actually. Which I was like, UPS? UPS was around in the 80s? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that was not a thing. But a UPS truck driver is actually who spotted them and contacted the police from a fruit stand. 
the gentleman that had called the police then went back to the scene. John was still alive when he got there. And his last words were, brother, help me. John's brother was a UPS truck driver. And when his brother found out that that's what happened, he was devastated that he he's Mm -hmm. like he probably thought that that was me and i hate that i couldn't have been there to help him yeah because he was a really great guy and didn't deserve to die like that well these two are very cocky they're stupid susan susan and michael drove off in john's truck after killing him The truck was quickly spotted by police, and after a high-speed chase, the couple crashed the car and was arrested. Now, while in custody, Susan and Michael arranged arranged a rambling six-hour press conference where they told everyone their twisted beliefs and reasonings for these murders. So they said that they will admit to all the murders if they can get a press conference together. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they can try to make more crazies. Okay, gotcha. They showed no remorse and, in fact, thought that they should be considered heroes for killing all these witches. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Before trial, though, they did withdraw their confession and actually entered a pleas of not guilty. What? (sighs) Did they try to represent themselves, too, as well? I did not see anything about that. Like I said, there was actually very little about them. Mm. So on June 12th, 1984, they were convicted first of Karen Barnes' murder and sentenced 25 years in prison. Later, they were convicted of the murder of Clark and John, for which they received 50 years to life and 75 years to life, respectively. And in 1989, the First District Court of Appeals affirmed their third conviction as it had previously done with the other two. And Michael is incarcerated at Mule Creek State Prison. And Susan is incarcerated in Central California's Women's Facility. They are still alive, sitting in jail. Um, and uh, they have yet to ever, since they've been in jail, have not seen each other in person, but they still write to each other every day. And Oh, my God. In a five-hour interview with KGO-TV and San Francisco Chronicles, as well as homicide investigators, Susan and Michael claim to have been pacifists and vegetarian yoga practitioners who converted to a form of Islam. Their crimes emerged from a shared mission to exterminate individuals they believed to be witches. Consequently, the press dubbed them the San Francisco Witch Killers. Now, so far everything they've done is, I mean, she thought she was a psychic herself getting these visions. You you don't, and then you got married at Stonehenge, like, you don't think you're a witch yourself? So, like I said, they they stated that they killed Karen, like I said, because they believed that she made a false conversion to their religion and was draining Susan of her health and yoga powers. Their justification for the second and third killings were that Clark had allegedly sexually assaulted Susan and John had allegedly called Susan a witch herself and sexually abused her as well. They were in the truck. Now, remember, though, they had their religion that offending a woman was, with just your words, was considered as bad as physical assault. So, he may not have ever touched her. He probably, though, like, are you, like, some sort of witch or something? And she felt insulted, and that was punishable by death. We should call Karen Susans, not Karens, because she sounds like a Karen. Yeah. From the day that they were convicted and through their incarceration up to 2015, they have showed no remorse for what they've done. Of course not. Um, they came up for parole in 2015. Michael and... Wait, what? 2015, they came up for parole. Michael and Susan both were... One said that Michael declined it 
And the other I saw said that both Susan and Michael were denied. So back in 2015, California was trying to clean things up in their police or in their jails because they were cluttered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they passed a law that if you were over the age of 60 and you at least served 25 years, you were just let go on parole. No, let go of the people that have been wrongly charged. Let go of the people that have these stupid little drug crimes. Let go of those. Don't let go of fucking murderers. Are you goddamn stupid? Yes, they are. It's California. God, I hate that side of the country. Sorry, guys. Sorry if Cali people. (laughs) You toasties are wonderful, but I hate Cali. Your guys' laws are weird. They're bad shit. They just don't make any fucking sense. Yeah. No. Let's, you know, let's keep the, the, you know, the 18-year-old kid who just happened to have a bag of weed in his back pocket. Let's let's keep him in jail. But, you know, you got this murder duo trying to rid the world of witches. They're 60 years old. Let them out. No. So you're telling me it's worse for this kid to smoke pot and get caught with it or sell it and get caught with it. Than it is to go kill three people. Here's my thing. How come Man- Manson wasn't let out and he didn't kill nobody? He was in California, too. I have my own conspiracy on that one. So when you do that episode, we'll talk about it. But until then, I'm going to button up on that one. Yeah, you better. Um, <clears throat> the couple said, like, the couple said they kept a list of targeted individuals, including political figures and celebrities such as Ronald Reagan and Johnny Carson. And authorities think they may be responsible for nearly a dozen other murders in Europe and the U.S. However, they don't have enough evidence to bring charges on them. They probably are. Well, they were in Europe for a long time. And I did read that the trip to Europe was to try to recruit and spread the word of their religion. And Europe wasn't having it at all. They're like, these people. Which is why they came home. You're not citizens. You can't do that over there. Yeah. I was surprised. You can get married? Not being a citizen? Or they just had like a... Who the fuck knows? They're Mm -hmm. weird. It was a different times. I don't know. I don't know. Now, Michael's daughter has spoken out about her experience during this time. And I thought it was really an interesting thing to hear of from the perspective of the child who had the murderous parent because have you i've not seen many times i mean you brought up with um maxine yeah was that the last episode yeah yeah for her but that she justified what her dad was doing i don't know she was weird sorry she She, didn't justify it she just said that his sentencing was too harsh because he's mentally yeah sick yeah which he wasn't. But um, I thought it was very interesting to hear from another child who lived through it. Because mm-hmm. she actually saw quite a bit. So Michael did not fully disappear out of his daughter's life actually right away when her parents divorced. And she remembers the day they were there was a knock on the door that just it startled her and her mother. Because this is in the time that they were in hiding from her dad. But mm-hmm. it was it was 1982, and her and her mother had fled to Southern California. Now, Jennifer was then seven at the time, and out of fear that her drug-abusing, mentally ill father and equal, equally disturbed new wife might be at the door to harm them, um, they weren't expecting any visitors that day. So... Her mother kind of sent her away to go hide as she went to go answer the door. And instead of it being them, it was the Secret Service. Mm. Jennifer's mother, like I said, she ended up sending her to the room to answer countless questions about Michael. Questions like, has he ever threatened to kill a president? Or what are his political beliefs? Um, They informed his ex-wife, Michael and Susan, are murder suspects, and they were investigating him for a substantial threat. And shortly after her um, Mm -hmm. divorce with, well, then James, James, now Michael, 
shortly after her parents' divorce in 1978, her father met Susan, and they married in 1979. So it was, like, quick. Mm -hmm. She always remembered her father, like I said in the beginning, um, as loving and remembers him reading to her and braiding her hair and claimed he was fun. Um, But it wasn't until he met Susan that Jennifer remembered her father just unraveling. He was once attentive, but began to ignore her and just became a completely different man around Susan. Jennifer says about Susan, she was very dominant in the relationship. And Jennifer had a bad feeling about her. She said, quote, in my preschooler mind, she was the wicked witch. Mm. Jennifer said that the house was like the haunted forest from Wizard of Oz. It was just really dark. And there was like over 100 potted plants in like the one room. So it just looked like this like haunted forest. And she has glimpses of memories where Susan pushed her under bathwater, holding her under, and and she couldn't breathe. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, Susan would tell this little child that she's in the house of horrors and she's not going to be feeding her. And she would tell her that she was the devil and was going to hell and deserved to die. Susan, yeah, um, well, backtrack. Jennifer asked Susan, I guess, to, like, rub her back, and Susan scratched her back, leaving open wounds on Jennifer down her back. Five nail marks just straight down her back. And when Jennifer's mother learned they were leaving the country, she took action. She was convinced they were going to kill her and take Jennifer and then kill Jennifer. Yeah, I probably would have thought the same, too, as well. So, for nearly five years, Jennifer and her mother were on the run, just living in fear that one day Susan and Michael would find them. Mm. When Jennifer learned about her father and what he had done, she wanted to know everything. Mm -hmm. She read all the newspaper clippings that she found in her mother's dresser drawers. She just looked up everything. Just everything. Because she began to worry that she had inherited what she called the monster genes. And she began to have nightmares about her father's victims. Mm-hmm. Now, by nine, Jennifer viewed every adult as a potential killer. Yeah, it changed your view. Yeah. Especially being a guardian, yeah. The whole world just terrified her. She also feared that she would grow up and kill people. Mm-hmm. And if you are afraid that you will grow up and kill people, I'd like to think that means you are not going to kill people because if it scares the shit out of you, you still have a conscience. Yeah, but I understand it because, like, most of the time when, you know, my mom went on her crazy spurts and whatnot, that's right. what I worried about as a kid, I was like, is that gonna be me? Because I knew it was genetic. Because I heard, like, I heard my family talk. And right, wasn't stupid. Right, but like, I can, I can definitely mm-hmm. see where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, in addition to her mother, who she remained very close to, because mm. that was literally the only person in her that life, was her anchor, her anchor, and the only thing she could trust. Yeah. Um, she also had her stepfather, Michael Gonzalez who her mother ended up meeting in 1984. So this is after, you know, mm-hmm. Michael. And his name was actually really Michael, right? Yes. It was actually, it was actually Michael. <laughs> Just yes. Which is ironic that anybody would have trusted him, mm-hmm. being that his name was Michael. Um, but he helped Jennifer heal and turn her life around. And she actually calls him the knight on the white horse and an incredible man. Aw, I, I love know. that. I know. Oh, shit. I got I got too far. Sorry, guys. Hold on. Healing hearts he didn't break. Or, That's a good you know, man. Or stab or anything, yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but he sought out counseling for Jennifer. He signed oh. her up for Girl Scouts and the church choir. 
and put her on just a very regular schedule. Okay. In his care, Jennifer was thriving. She said that he, quote, he invested in me and I believe that's why I'm okay. I was a little kid with severe childhood onset post-trauma and a severe depression, severe suicidal ideations. I was not doing well. Mm. Jennifer went on to actually earn her doctoral degree in social work. She went on to become a trauma expert. Over the years, she had been featured on CNN, IC, and NPR. And she is also on the board of the American Association of Suicidology, which is a nonprofit suicide prevention organization. She says that, quote, not only can you survive after advertedly trauma battles with mental health and so on, you can get help and then you can thrive. And if someone is struggling today, get help because it can get better. It's okay to not be okay and it's okay to get help because things can get better. Aww. Jennifer recalls before her 89-year-old great-aunt passed away, she said that the family would say, what's going to happen to poor Jenny? And according to Jennifer, her aunt's response was, quote, told them, poor Jenny, my ass, the girl is brilliant. Good for her. I know. Jennifer adds, quote, I think the other part of my story that I always like to share is that our children are resilient. If we can invest with them and love and connecting the child to the help they need or the child can overcome early trauma, our chi- our children, sorry, can overcome early trauma and recovery is possible. And I wanted to, at first when I read that, I wanted to get so angry because I heard that damn word resilient and how children are resilient but then as I continue to read where she was like, you need to, in- they can be resilient if you invest the time. I'm like, okay, okay. You're not just expecting kids to bounce back from fucking bullshit. Because mm-hmm. I heard that so many times. So many times. And yes, kids are resilient. However, you have to invest the time to help them be. Correct. I'm going to leave it at that. The physical and emotional abuse Jennifer suffered at the hands of her stepmother caused deep wounds she was plagued at an early age by terrifying nightmares ptsd and debilitating depression that left her at times suicidal Mm. her past inspired her to help others now she is a social worker suicide hotline manager and trauma expert she is dr jen carson She is uniquely able to help others who are living in the shadows of a family member's violent crimes. And she is truly brilliant. And I just, I loved that I was able to find about her. Unfortunately, like I said, you asked about the the two boys. There wasn't anything. They probably want to keep it private. Probably because you got to think they're the ones who lived with the psycho person. Yeah. Now, Michael or James had issues he did have mental health issues prior to susan so he was already weak-minded unfortunately yeah um he was coping with drugs with his mental health issues um and susan was also crazy she she gonna sit there and talk about the psychic powers you have and that then say you're gonna kill witches she's just very self-centered that's all that they can explain it. She's very self-centered. Very self-centered. And they were very fucking sloppy. Because they were that cocky. They were just that self-centered. They didn't see outside that box. Well, she was cocky. He was just following orders. Mm-hmm. He wasn't... I don't think he... I, I don't know how much peyote he might have tried. Who knows? Who knows? Don't do peyote, guys. No. Don't do not do drugs, period. <laughs> of this listed order that I talked about. Okay. (laughs) Drugs are bad, kids. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I I don't know. I can't. I can't. 
I'm not going to judge you for marijuana. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, go smoke your weed, guys. Smoke your weed. And nobody deserves to be in jail for it. No. Not one fucking person. No. Get them out of there, guys. And the only time that I will be like, okay, that person deserves to be in jail for weed is if it's it resulted in any type of violence. But at that point, you're not in jail for the weed. You're in jail for the violence. Correct. We just happen if, to be it. The, yes. The, the thing that was there. That is the only time that I'll be like, okay, yeah. You it's not a jail. crime to smoke weed. It's no. a crime to... Be violent about it. Be violent, which I find hard to imagine if you're smoking weed. But, you know, it happens. Dealing. Dealing going bad. That's Dealing, usually, yeah. That's usually when the violence happens. Or either you're smoking it while driving. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Just, like, don't drink and drive. Don't smoke and drive, guys. Yeah. Just... And I just, I mean, I want to just say, like, I know, I remember, I smoked cigarettes in high school, mm-hmm. and I remember hearing all the time on how, like, eh, cigarettes are so bad, they're so bad for you, I, that's why I smoke, I smoke marijuana, it's it's natural. Well, for one, cigarettes used to be natural. Yes. Just saying it was a tobacco leaf. Um, and then government, you know, regulating everything and also putting all the additives and taxing the shit out of it to get more money out of people. You know the process. What do you think? Mar- what's going to happen with marijuana once it becomes legal? The same kind of shit. So exactly. You guys better start growing that shit in your backyard because it's going to get a lot of shit in it. Exactly. So I just want to put that out there. Second of all, um, a cigarette doesn't alter my brain process. Mm-hmm. I um, marijuana does. Mm-hmm. I'm not judging anybody for being on marijuana, but it does alter your your. It, you aren't the same person not smoking than you are smoking. Correct. So. For anybody to be like, it's better for you, for one, nothing does, should be in your lungs other than the oxygen. Correct. Um, for two, it alters your brain, so it's it's not. There's no... Stop comparison. Stop comparing things, people. Mm-hmm. But smoke your weed, guys. I ain't judging you for it. I don't, I don't personally do it. It's not my thing. It's, uh, to me, it's not my thing, but I ain't judging nobody for it. That's the only, that's the only cr- drug crime I don't think should be in jail. Cause it's not a crime. No, it's not a crime. But anyways, yeah, that is uh the well, do- thank you. the San Francisco witch killers. As we enter into spooky season, I'm glad I wasn't around them. Man, I'd be, I would have been. No, I would not have been murked. I would have been like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> she would have hated us right off the bat because we're both Virgos. She would have felt threatened. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I, she would have tried to murk me. Michael is weak-minded. Very weak-minded, but I it was there already to happen. She 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 just happened to pluck him at the right moment. It's crazy how people like that come together and meet. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like all the people in the world they had to meet, <laughs> right? I know. And like I said, I really loved hearing about Jennifer and just how she's thriving. And kudos to her fucking stepdad, man. Way to yeah, step absolutely. up, bro. That is amazing. Amazing. I hope he's proud of himself. Because it sounds like she's so. very proud of him. Yeah. And kudos to her mom for being able to find somebody, to trust somebody again with her child and with herself. Mm-hmm. Because that, ha- I didn't find Especially much- after that crazy experience. Yeah, who the fuck's going to trust a man after that? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, so, I mean, kudos for her for healing. And that, I don't know. It was a, it was a fun story. So, actually, how I found these people... <laughs> So you and I were talking about like trying to do like a fun birthday because our birthdays were just mm-hmm. now passed. And you were like, we should find like a, a fun birthday story of some sort of whatever. Yeah, couldn't find anything. But I was like, you know what? Let me look up the Virgo serial killers that are out there. And I just happened to stumble across Susan. Hmm. And I was like, you know, her birthday's right in between ours. So... Let's learn a little bit about Susan. And then all of a sudden I saw, I was like, Susan and the San Francisco witch killers. I'm like, what? Witch killers? <laughs> and I'm just reading it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? They got away with so many things, yet nothing at the same time. I was so confused, but intrigued all at the same time. Well, it was a lot easier back then, too, to oh, do that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, and in California, which made it even more easier. It was way easier back then, which actually, they, did you, there was, there's a, the, oh gosh, what's it called? I'm going to do, I'm going to have an episode about it, like an era of serial killers. It was really, there's a special name for it. I, I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Shit. I'm losing my brain on that one. I don't remember what it was called. Hmm. But like why that era ended. 
And this is about the time that it did end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were they they joined the party too late. Thank goodness, only three people. Well, supposedly, three people that they actually yeah could have been convicted for. She seemed pretty yeah. She seemed pretty reckless. So I'm sure there's a lot more out there, unfortunately. But she seemed pretty reckless and self centered. And how she could ever think that she could start a religion is beyond me. Because it seemed like anybody offended her or came across at her the wrong way was gonna die well like i said she also joined the party like way too late it's the 80s by this like late 70s early 80s by Mm -hmm. this point you've had how many cults that were very unsuccessful correct like (laughs) i think everybody by this point like Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, we're all fucking idiots. Like, she's the mm-hmm. third third try at this point. They're like, uh-uh-uh. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't like her. No, I did not like her. Susan. 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 <laughs> you all need to leave Karens alone and start calling them Susans. Seriously. Sorry know. if your name's Susan Toasty. Yeah, sorry. Is that that bad a name? No. Neither are Karens, though. No. But very interesting but i'm so i'm uh looking forward to our i was i was gonna do that this was a enter into the spooky seasons but we ended up getting actually a pretty great comment on tiki talks yes we did from raul yes and we want to say a big shout out to you raul because you you share something in common with us and that is the one love correct we really appreciate it and especially um, reaching out and letting us know that we're not alone, just like how we talk and let y'all know that y'all are not alone. No, not alone at all. And we really wanted to get that shout out to you, Raul, because you said you do you like to listen. And we hope you are hearing this. That one love to you, my friend, my toasty. Absolutely. And we want to keep spreading that one love. Yes. So this next story that we're going to be having coming out, it's going to be another doozy. Mm-hmm. So you guys better come back. Yeah. Come listen to it. Come listen to our shenanigans. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And we're just going to keep spreading the love. We sound mm-hmm. like fucking hippies. But you know Well, what? you are a hippie. I so. know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really say that I am, but. I am. I am. On that, on that, on that video of people who are like holding the sign saying free hugs. Although I don't want you to hug me. Well, that's like, no, I'm not doing free hugs. I'm not doing free hugs. Well, maybe. I wish you the best. Wish you the best, but don't, don't, don't I might. touch me. It depends on the day. I might hug you. There's some people I might, I might that day. I don't know. But I'll be the person who's like standing in the middle of an argument, but like, can we just love each other? Hug it out. Yep. That's me. You would be like that. Hug yep. it out. Let's talk about this. That is not me. Well, that's not a, yeah. People need to start listening to each other. I'm the one getting into the fight. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I know. That's okay. I'll be right behind you. <laughs> God damn it, Jesse. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry about this. <laughs> Do you want a hug? Yeah, I'll give you a hug when she's done. <laughs> and then I'll wrap your boo-boos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's Missy. Yeah, that is. But, yeah, we wanted to say thank you and biggest shout out to you, Raul, for the one love comment because mm-hmm. exactly that is what we're about. We're about love, about the one love. Everybody needs to love each other. Love each other, guys. Don't kill each other because you think you're witches. Love each other. And mind your business. Mind mind your damn business. Be kind. They ain't hurting you. Be kind. Just keep your mouth shut. Be nice. Yeah. Shut your fucking mouth. Don't judge nobody because trust me, you got some skeletons in your fucking closet absolutely we all do everybody does so don't fucking judge don't hate don't tell anybody to be quiet don't tell anybody to sit down be nice be fucking nice or you can sit down (laughs) sorry that was a ramble anyways make sure you guys find us on the tiki talks the facebook's and the instagrams and all the things and go to our website toastedshenanigans.com and check us out all there until then, make sure you hit that bell, like, mm-hmm. follow, share, subscribe. Keep sending your ideas to us. Mm-hmm. And, and tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. And send some love to everybody. Give yourself a hug. Love your damn self. How about that? Start yeah, there. Yeah, start there. That's where really everybody needs a fucking start. 
But until next time, guys, bye. bye.